Good morning. It's Thursday, May 28th. We're reading through the Old and New Testament every day, and I'd like you to get into, in just a minute, 1 Chronicles chapters 23 through 25. We see David preparing not only the material and the building supplies for the temple, but he's also now getting the personnel ready. And this is interesting in these three chapters. In chapter 23, he organizes the personnel in terms of the Levitical tribe. He gets specific in chapter 24, the priesthood and the names there are listed, and then the musicians in chapter 25. So 23 is uh, the Levites. 24, you'll see the priest, uh, 25, the musicians. All of that reminds us of how important it was in David's mind, because of course the Mosaic law had directed it to be that important. That is the worship of God and how it was done. Music, interesting gift that here is given a whole chapter of their names and who they were. And so we remember what a great gift it is to have music, not just as an expression of God's grace in our lives for our enjoyment, which of course it is, but also as an avenue through which we worship God. And that was going to be a joyful, festive, and uh, glorious thing that was done in Jerusalem. And it was always heard there in Jerusalem as the worship, as they gathered together, there was singing. Sounded different than our music certainly did. I mean, there's no doubt about that in terms of just the, the tonal scale and how it all sounded. I'm sure it was very foreign to what we're used to today. But nevertheless, uh, the expression of joyful music was something important in the worship of God. And we see that here even down to picking the right musicians to worship God. Our New Testament reading is in John chapter 11. You'll see, uh, if you look at our schedule, we've got three days we're going to spend in John 11, which is always a good clue to go very slowly through your reading because we're only reading today 17 verses in John. So read it uh, with a meditation. And by that, I mean you're really chewing on these thoughts and the sentences, you're reading them slowly and you're taking time to think and to ponder what's being said. In this passage, Lazarus dies. And we're gonna spend a lot of time looking at this scene and the important theological statements that Jesus makes over the days. But today we see Jesus foretelling that he is going to raise Lazarus. Of course, he knew that was gonna happen. And from the very beginning, this is what he is planning on doing. And he tells his disciples that, and he says, let's go to him because the word had gotten to the apostles that he had died. And Thomas, you'll see almost comically, thinks, well, if we're going to Lazarus, he's dead. So I guess we're all going to our death. And you can see Thomas, though it's, uh, it seems comical from our perspective because we know the end of the story, uh, what an act of devotion and loyalty to Christ is saying, I guess we're all going to die here and uh, we're not afraid, we're gonna do it and uh, off we go. And yet we know the end of the story, at least in this scene, Jesus does not die. Uh, he is going to go and show his power and his glory that he can call things that are dead to life. And that is, of course, our ultimate hope that one day, not only will we be spiritually alive forever in his presence, but he's going to reconstitute and glorify our bodies and get us in a place where we have a resurrected, eternal, enduring uh, never dying, imperishable body. So we look forward to that day. And here's a foretaste of it as we set up the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. Our community imperative is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. And uh, here's what Paul says about his time of ministry with the Thessalonians. He says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Now we're going to see the contrast later in this chapter as we think about how to treat one another in the body of Christ. But in this particular passage, as Paul is trying to lead them along in their spiritual lives, he says, there's a part of my instruction and interaction with you that is uh, like a, a nursing mother. And the word is used here, gentle, like a, like a, a gentle, uh, careful, you know, maternal kind of care for you that he knows the time and the appropriate 
situations to bring them along uh, like a mother. When people, uh, you know, stumble in the Christian life, you think about a mom who has a kid that scrapes his or her knee, um, you know, the way she tenderly picks that child back up and, you know, in the uh, uh, scenes you can imagine, you've probably seen them, certainly you experienced them, I, I assume, as a child. And this is how Paul sees himself, at least part of the time, as he disciples people in Thessalonica. So I put it this way, our community imperative is to be gentle and maternal in your discipleship. There are times for that. It's not always that way, but I think we need to think more often about how are we doing in that regard. And I was just thinking about my week this week. There are times in, in counseling and in discipleship that you need to be other than this, but there are times you need to be like a mother gentle and, and like, as he says here, a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So in your discipleship, think in those terms, and perhaps today you might even strategize as to how you can be gentle and maternal as you bring others along in the Christian life. So that's our community imperative for today. Get into your Old and New Testament reading. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, as we continue our reading through the Bible.